Good day everybody and welcome to the Spotlight Mining podcast, today recorded live from the PDAC conference in Toronto, Canada. I've been joined by James Anderson from New Legacy Gold Corp. Here at Spotlight Mining we've been following the New Legacy story for quite a long time now uh, through their developments along the Cortez trend in Nevada. But for the benefit of our listeners, James, could you please just uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the company? Okay. Um, my name is James Anderson. I'm CEO of New Legacy Gold, a gold exploration company focused on a project in the Cortez trend of Nevada. So you're based in Nevada, which is a fantastic jurisdiction right now. Uh, whereabouts in Nevada is that? So there's a number of major trends in north-central Nevada. They call them trends because the mines tend to line up generally straight lines on a, on a map. These are all Carlin-type gold systems, and it's a very unique geological phenomenon that has only been discovered in a few places around the world, but exploited mostly in Nevada. Nevada, for your viewers, if they don't know, uh, if it was its own country, it would be the fourth largest gold-producing nation in the world. And in the area that we're in, which we call the Cortez Trend, which is really a subset of the Battle Mountain Eureka Trend, okay, the Cortez area of that is the crown jewel of that area. Uh, Barrick, the largest gold mining company in the world, gets about 20% of its worldwide gold production from right there. And it gets, in 2017 at least, about $840 million in free cash flow. So it's not only a place where they make a lot of gold, but it's a place where they make a lot of money. So it's a great place to be exploring. Uh, What are you doing on the property right now? Right now, it's snowing. Yeah. So, if, uh, again, a lot of your listeners may not know that in northern Nevada, you do get uh, a fair bit of snow in the wintertime. There's about a three- or four-month period. We can work there, and some of the bigger companies do, uh, but it's more expensive. You've got to clear away snow. Things get very, very slippery and wet. So, generally speaking, for, the, for three or four months in the wintertime, we take all of the data that we've generated in the previous season's drilling campaign and go to work. These Carlin systems are extraordinarily complex geologically. Uh, but we've got a great team to unravel those question marks. Mm. Derek Unger, who's uh, ex-Newmont. Charles Weekly, who was one of Barrick's top exploration guys in Nevada. Uh, we got a chance to hire Charles about a year ago. And uh, those guys, have hel- along with the, our younger dynamic team, have really helped us unlock some of the clues to where the high-grade gold is on this property. Yeah. So you've mentioned Carlin-type deposits there. Um, many people might not know what that is. Do you want to describe the geology of the deposit, maybe? Sure, yeah. Um, so Carlin deposits, as I mentioned, there's only, I don't know, maybe there's a half dozen places on, on the planet where they've um, where this type of mineralization has been discovered. They're, they're a very large footprint of gold mineralization. You need a lot of different things to come together to make it an economic system. So these are hydrothermal systems. They were all emplaced in Nevada between about 42 million and 36 million years ago. These hydrothermal fluids come up and they impregnate 200 million year old limestone units. And these are limestone units that were formed at the bottom of the ocean and Nevada was at the bottom of the ocean 200 million years ago. And those particular limestone units also have to be created in a special way. We call it carbonaceous. You get a whole bunch of plant debris in the rocks um, during deposition. And when that happens, you get a real porous unit so that when the hydrothermal fluids come up 150 million years later, uh, filled with gold, there are places, little um, cavities, little tiny microscopic and sometimes bigger than that, um, porous cavities within the rocks 
where those where the gold fluids can get to and where the gold is deposited. Moreover, where there is a very unique kind of uh, geochemical structure with these systems, so you get uh, a lot of gold, uh, very little silver. Uh, which in and of itself is unusual in a, in a gold deposit. Yep. Um, you'll get arsenic, antimony, mercury, and thallium. Uh, so there's a, a very unique uh, combination and usually a very unique ratio of these metals. So that's when you know you're in one of these uh, very special Carlin systems. It, it's named after the town of Carlin mm-hmm. in northern Nevada. Uh, we're, uh, you know, we're maybe 100 kilometers away from Carlin, uh, but that's where the name comes from. So it's a fairly rare deposit type, very specialized. How do you go looking for one? Uh, Great question. Uh, And in a Nevada context, um, there's there's sort of multiple layers of that question. So years ago, it was relatively simple. You could do soil geochemistry. Um, If you saw a ratio of trace elements in the soil geochemistry that uh, you were excited about it, you could drill it. And normally those um, deposits, which might have been found, let's say, 20 years ago to 40 years ago, uh, they're relatively near surface. They would be oxidized. You could take that material off the surface, put it on a leach pad, and be getting gold 30 or 40 days later. So that's great. Um, But most of those, probably all of those deposits are gone. So now what we're forced to do is to look much more deeper, uh, much more deeply, into uh, into the Earth's crust to be able to try and find these. We do use soil geochemistry, but geophysics has become more and more um, important in finding uh, the direction that we're going, but also just um, detailed logging of drill core so that we know exactly what rock units we're in as we drill through. Yeah, so well-orientated core, every single structural measurement. Absolutely. When when together. when Charles Weekly joined us, the chap who I mentioned earlier, when he joined us about a year ago, um, he felt that you know we were we were close in our assessment of uh, where all the lithological contacts were, but we went back and relogged about 250 drill holes under his direction. So he taught our young guys, and it's it's subtle stuff, right? You know, uh, the there's a particular fossil that's not found in one unit but is in another. So um, going back and relogging every drill hole. Like that has given us a much more much clearer picture. Um, one of the young geologists, when I was asking him about this a number of months ago, um, he told me, "Well, James, you know what what, what it's like. Um, you know, when you're looking under a microscope, and everything's just a little bit out of focus until you turn that dial just a quarter of an inch more, and then everything is so clear." Says that's what it's like working with Charles, and that's you know what our new understanding of the property is like. Yeah. And uh, that's part of the desk study while, while it's snowing as well, I suppose. So. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so w- what are the plans with the project now? Where are you looking to go this year? Well, we've got a, um, a new and improved understanding of, of where some of the higher grades on this property may well be. So over the last few years, we've discovered a, a corridor of gold mineralization that's about four or five kilometers long. Um, we do get some high-grade hits. One of the drill holes that we drilled last September, our Serena Zone hole 1802, mm-hmm. returned nine meters of almost 17 grams of gold. Now, generally, these Carlin systems are you know, large envelopes of low-grade gold mineralization, but when you see a hit like that that's really high-grade, that's unusual for one of these systems, and it, it means, it proves, we think, that we are in close proximity to a big, robust Carlin system. So what do we do with that? Uh, again, with Charles's help, we've 
reinterpreted our understanding of how the gold is being deposited on this property. There are low-lying structures that have mafic intrusive bodies within them, and where we find that, the grades go up exponentially. These dip to the west, so we want to be drilling off to the west, and that's what we'll be doing within the next three months once the snow's clear and we get all of our ducks in a row uh, to start the season. And these, uh, the mafic, they're mafic lenses, or are they intrusions? Or? They're intrusions mm. along these, um, these structural components. Mm. So um, the Roberts Mountain Thrust was a major tectonic movement mm. uh, many, many moons ago. These are smaller, subtle, sympathetic movements along the, the same, the same uh, trend. Same trend, yeah. exactly. Mm. Uh, so you're talking about low-angle structures that dip gently off to the west, mm. and then oftentimes are faulted back up, you know, with normal faulting on, on um, you know, more north-northwest structures. Mm. But when you drill into those, the grades go up exponentially. Now, the real key is to be able to intercept those in a drill hole where they cross through the very best stratigraphy, that Wenban 5 limestone unit, which is porous and very receptive to gold mineralization. So, James, we talked a bit about your exploration geos on the ground. Uh, maybe you tell us a bit about your board. Uh, who's, who's leading this project? Our, our board of directors consists, yeah. of, uh, consists of three senior ex-Barrick people. Mm. Uh, one of them is Alex Davidson, who was head of global exploration for Barrick for many years. One of them is Alan Hill, who built a number of Barrick's mines uh, all over the world, really. Mm. And uh, Ed Cope. And Ed, up until just a couple of years ago, was head of North American exploration for Barrick, but based in Elko, Nevada. Mm-hmm. So he's very much a, a Nevada expert. Uh, he and his team won uh, the big award at the PDAC Awards banquet just a few years ago, uh, called the Thayer Lindsley Award, and that's for you know the best global discovery of anything. Um, the the mine that that they were awarded that for is just across the valley from where we're working. It's called Gold Rush, and really it's the best gold deposit that's been found on planet Earth in the last decade. It's 10 million ounces, but at 10 grams, it's very high grade, and we have all of the structural components, same style of mineralization as they do. We simply need to find that high grade component where, where the drilling can hold together into a, um, into a, a mineable deposit. So Nevada is, is a very popular place to talk about this week at PDAC. There's a lot of companies that say competing for attention. What sets what sets you guys apart? What sets New Legacy apart? I think uh, the jurisdiction. Mm. Um, with due respect to other people who are working in Nevada, there's a lot of great places in Nevada. But Cortez, Cortez is really the Carlin trend, mm. um, but 30 years on. Mm. There's been a lot of work done in, in Carlin since the 1960s. Cortez didn't really get going uh, as a major destination in Nevada for gold exploration until 1989, where one of the founders of our company uh, drilled the first holes at Pipeline. Mm. That became the the first real major deposit in the the Cortez area. Um, Pipeline total gold endowment is is a little over 20 million ounces. Um, So that sets us apart. There's there's no other juniors in the Cortez trend that have a 108 square kilometer track Mm. of land. The only, you know, the, 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 the one that, that I like to compare us to is Gold Standard, mm. which has about a 200-square-kilometer track of land in the South Carlin area. Yeah. Uh, so I think that there's comparable you know, features that way. Uh, Gold Standard is certainly further ahead uh, than we are. Uh, they've had a, you know, a few years' head start in terms of um, putting their deposits in sight, 
but I think that there's uh, an analog there in terms of how the market thinks about one junior company having that kind of a land package. Yeah. And uh, so let's talk markets. Uh, people have struggled uh, recently to raise money in Canada uh, and North America. Um, there's a, a lot of worry about the US-China trade deal, so gold prices, uh, we don't know where they're going. Um, do you have any insight? How reliant is your project on, on the gold price and those negotiations? I would say that our, our every, everybody in our industry is reliant on the gold price, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody's reliant on a bull market. Um, I can tell you, you know, it's been said by smarter people than me, bull markets make everybody look smart, mm. and bear markets, well, they're challenging, and they're challenging for everybody, and I don't care how good your deposit is, they're challenging. However, if you look at this particular project and New Legacy, mm. um, our major shareholders, our largest shareholders are Oceana Gold, mm. that's a large uh, Australian gold mining company, mm. Barrick, um, which is the largest gold mining company in the world, mm. uh, Tocqueville, that's um, America's premier um, precious metals investment mm. fund. So w- we get very good industry support for this project. So it's never particularly easy to raise money for these projects. Mm. Um, a better market and a better gold price helps, but the support that we get through the market um, is based on this project and based on the, the potential for this project, and that's not going away. Yeah. What is the ratio between your institutional and commercial investors? Uh, well, that's a good question. If you count up the top three, that's about 35% of the company. Yeah. Um, if you look at uh, insiders, directors, advisors, uh, that you know might be as much as um, 40%, per, 40% of the company. So if, if we you know add it all up, I think you're, you're probably looking at, yeah, but how about 50-50? That's the number that I'll throw out just for fun. Yeah. So there's enough to trade with, but enough to be secure as well. Our stock trades reasonably well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, although new legacy shares haven't set the world on fire, uh, I think if you bought some shares a few years ago, mm-hmm. if you would have bought shares in just about any other gold and silver instrument, mm-hmm. you'd be down, and new legacy is about flat. So I'm kind of proud with, proud of that. Where do you see the company in ten years? in uh, the most pessimistic and optimistic of circumstances. I'm able to weigh pessimism and optimism and <laughs> come, out, uh, un- uh, come out perfectly balanced. Yeah. Uh, this is a big boy project. Mm. If we have some success uh, finding out where the high grade is, New Legacy will not be here in three years, let alone ten. Mm. Um, these deposits, these are tier one type assets. Mm. There will be a big company, might be Barrick, that owns some of our stock, might be Oceana that owns some of our stock, or it might be a third party. There's a lot of mergers and acquisitions stuff that's going on right through every part of our industry right now. Mm. So um, some some big mining company will end up with the asset. Yeah, that can only be good. Uh, where can people find out more about the company if they if they want to follow up? You can go to our website um, www.newlegacy. That's spelled N-U-L-E-G-A-C-Y dot com. Um, on there are uh, phone numbers as well, and I'm happy to take a call from a shareholder at any time. Fantastic. James, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Liam. This is great. Yeah, I look forward to catching up again next year. See how it's gone. Sounds wonderful. So thank you very much, James Anderson from New Legacy Gold. As James said, if you want to find out more, you can go to www.newlegacygold.com. That's N-U-L-E-G-A-C-Y gold.com. And there's a wealth of information there about the project. 
We're looking forward to catching up with James again this summer when we'll be in Nevada visiting some of our projects on site. Uh, we'll keep you up to date with that. For now, thank you very much for joining our podcast today. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can check us out at Spotlight Mining on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook or visit our website www.spotlightmining.com. From myself, James and everyone at PDAC, have a great day. Cheers. Today's podcast was recorded by Liam Hardy for SpotlightMining.com. We ask that nobody edits, copies or redistributes this material without prior permission from Spotlight Mining team. The title music for today's episode was written and performed by Melissa Bellarosa, an awesome guitarist from Providence, Rhode Island. If you'd like to hear more, we recommend you check out her website at melissabellarosa.com and follow the link in the description below for more information. Music